morning. Good to see you guys. Grove Central today. Welcome all those online tuning in with us. Thanks for being here with us. Hey, good to see you guys. Some new faces here at Grove Central. Welcome to Grove. Uh, we're glad you're able to be with us today. It's so nice to see you guys. And uh, um, I'm, I'm excited for this series. I think it's very appropriate for the season we're in. Uh, you know, this last week, um, there's the nation has never been more split down the middle, right, than it has been. And uh, we just have to be aware of that. I said for the last couple of weeks, just know as we go into this season, right, there's going to be some that celebrate and there'll be some uh, that mourn, right? They really grieve and they go through that whole process. And here's why, right? Every, every election, because of what the tactics they use to get people to try to buy, get them to their sides, usually it's fear, and it's the fear of losing something, right? That's the biggest part of it. Is, and so when, when, whenever these candidates, one wins, it's like you don't lose anything. And then the other side feels like they're going to lose everything, right? And in some cases, it's a trade. You do lose some things, and you do also gain other things both ways. And so in the middle of that, just be aware of that. As we, as we go into this season, uh, be, be uh, uh, caring for those that might view politics different than you. And uh, just know that in the middle of all this, um, we still have a responsibility. Whether your candidate won or lost, you have a responsibility to continue to do the best you can with what you have. And uh, really, we sometimes put too much in, in uh, pressure on who's going to be in office. And it, a lot of people, if, if your candidate's in there, it's like, let's go to work, let's do it. If you're not, it's like, I'm going to sit back and wait. That's not how we're supposed to operate ever. And so we need to be the people of action that continue to move forward. I heard uh, Dave Ramsey, he's a financial guy. He said, um, he was talking about, about just his business and, and um, how, how he's done uh, through, through the years. And he says, you know what? I've, I've made a lot of money under uh, Republican presidents. I made a lot of money under Democrat presidents. It's not in who's in office. It's in what we choose to do with what we have in front of us. That really matters the most. Um, but the Bible does say, as, as Jesus followers, that we need to pray for those in leadership. And uh, God always gives leaders, and it says for two reasons, one or two reasons, to be a blessing or to bring judgment. So we always have to know that in the middle of that, we get what we vote for. We, we, we um, earn what we, what we put out there. So we need to be the kind of people of action that say we are going to be people that want to pray for our leaders um, and do our best uh, to be able to bring peace to the cities and the areas we're in. And so we live our lives consistently in that way where it's, it doesn't matter who's in office. It's a choice for us, especially Jesus followers, uh, that we would follow, follow Jesus. So in this series, um, you know, it's really directed towards uh, Jesus followers who say, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm following God. It's really to, to help us to know what to produce. And if you're not a Jesus follower, good news is it's going to give you some insight in what, what you should be seeing in Jesus followers. So I think one of the reasons a lot of people don't like Christians and like even sometimes they walk away from Christ is because of the people that represent him. And uh, that's usually the issue. And so if you always want to know what exactly should, should a Jesus follower look like, a Christian look like, this series is going to show us that. Because when you're following Jesus' example, when you're letting God lead you, here's the things that he wants to produce in us. All right? And so this series, we're talking about that. What are the things that should be showing through our lives? And if they're, if they're absent, that's a good indication that you're actually not uh, following Jesus. You're actually doing your own thing, or it's a hybrid model that never works because uh, you have to go all in or it doesn't work. And so last week, we started the series off reading through the uh, uh, Galatians, a book that Paul wrote uh, to the church in Galatia. And uh, he's, he's writing to encourage them. And, and really, last week, he said there's a choice. You can either live by the law, and you can try to be a legalist who just tries to perform and do things, or you can live by following God's lead the Holy Spirit. And uh, we said, as Jesus followers, we need to choose to walk in step with the Spirit. And we said this about religion versus Christianity, right? So religion is spelled do. It's all these do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do this, do that. And it gets into this, this point is as long as you're um, consistently doing or not doing the things, then you're, gonna, you're, you're okay. You, you're going to look the part. It's going to be good. But that's not what Jesus came to set up. He didn't come to give us more religion. He actually came to give us a relationship. 
And Christianity is always spelled done, D-O-N-E, which means on the cross is where he did the work on our behalf for us, and then we live from what he did. Folks start in the beginning of trying to obey all the laws. We just start by saying, I'm going to follow Jesus, right? A Christian is a Jesus follower, and I'm going to follow his example, and I'm going to start off from where he left off. That's what he told the disciples. He came and gave them a different way to live. He says, now you go and do this for the rest of the world. That's what we're called to do. And in fact, when we do what God calls us to do, we actually produce a lot of good things in this world. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, he says, he says this. Um, he said, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. Um, I have not met a single person who says, I tried Christianity, and yeah, there's really not to it. It's, it's, it's lacking, you know. It needs, typically, it's found difficult and not tried by most. And he challenges people to say, you know what, when it comes to Christianity, don't walk away from ideas because of people that, poorly rep- that represent Jesus poorly. Go in all in, and you'll see that it's, it's, it's going to produce what, it, what God says it can produce in our lives. It, and it's the best way to, to live. And it's difficult, and when you try it, you'll find that. It's, it's something, but it's doable because God leads us in that. And so my challenge in this series, especially if you're not a Jesus follower, that you would begin to say, what does it look like uh, to try to follow Jesus? What would it look like in my life? What, what would be produced if I do? And we're going to walk through those, okay? So Galatians 5 says this. Um, this is the, the series that we're going from. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. So these aren't against the law. These are actually with the, they, they actually prove that you're following the step with God. What's interesting about, so this verse is kind of what we're going off of. Um, this is the fruit that God wants to produce in our lives. So as Jesus followers, we should see these kind of attributes within a Jesus follower's life, in a Christian's life, because they're following God. And today we're going to focus on the first one, love. And what's interesting about the Greek is they don't have punctuation like we do, right? So it would have been the fruit of the Spirit is love, and there wouldn't be a comma there. It would just be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So uh, as we read other, other verses from Paul, it'd be easy to say it like this. Really, the fruit is, because I know it's not fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit. It's, it's, it's a single. Um, it's love, but it's, it's also because all these need to be in, in, within it. So if you're lacking one of these, it's, you're not really fully walking in love. You, you have a, a version of it. And sometimes, if, if, if you don't have self-control or other ones, it's just a, uh, it's out of performance. You're, you're putting on the part of loving others or, or being joyful, but there's really something lacking there. So it'd be easy to, the best way I think to put it is at love of the Spirit, you put a colon there, and then you would see these other eight attributes that point back to what love should look like. I'll, I'll explain this a little more in a second when we go to another letter Paul, Paul wrote. But essentially, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and these are the eight attributes that, that demonstrate that love is really love and is what you're walking in. And he goes on, and before this, he says that the entire law is fulfilled in this, keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in the Old Testament, there are 613 commandments that the Jewish people were trying to follow, right? And they're trying to go through this. And one day, a, a religious person came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what is the summary of the law? What is the summary of the Torah, the first five, five books of the Bible? And Jesus says, here's the summary. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, he didn't say that one is more important than two. They actually work together. Uh, Paul goes on, and he actually says this. He says, because he understands what uh, God is asking us, is that um, when you love others, you're actually fulfilling the whole law. So if you want to know what, what it means to fulfill what the Bible is asking us to do, it's, it's love. Uh, the, the key word is love. That is, that is the main action word for the whole Bible. To summarize the whole Bible, it's love. The motive behind it is love. What we're supposed to do is, is love. And he goes on and says, but if you bite and devour each other, right? if you're not loving your neighbor, but you bite and devour each other, like we talked about last week when politics is what happens, watch out and you'll be destroyed by each other. So as soon as you start demonizing and making the other person the enemy, you start biting and devouring, eventually you will be destroyed by one another. And that's what we want to avoid, and that's what, what Paul is trying to encourage the church in Galatia, to don't let divisions 
Don't become the kind of people that, that talk harshly about others and gossip about others because eventually that's only going to destroy relationships. Um, and he goes on and says this. It's one thing, or I can say it like this. It's one thing uh, to overcome the flesh and not do evil things. That's, that's religion, right? Just do and don't do, don't do. It's all these rules. It's one thing not to do evil, and we shouldn't do evil, but it's something entirely different to, do, to choose to do good things. And what God is going to do in our lives is not just keep us from doing bad things. He actually wants us to do good things. And, and the Spirit is going to lead us in this. This is what the point of the fruit of the Spirit is. When we fall, walk in step with Him, we're going to accomplish these good things, and it's going to, the, the fruit in our lives will demonstrate and show that we are following God's lead because He's producing something within us. And when it comes to fruit, like in anything in our life, when we, when we produce, when we're blessed, um, we don't just get and bear fruit, right, just so we can consume. That's the consumer mentality. It's for me. So we don't bear fruit for our own consumption. We bear fruit that others might be fed and helped and that Christ might be glorified. So the reason we live the way that God is leading us to is so that, one, it'll point to God, but it'll also feed others and help others. So we're blessed to be a blessing. That's what God calls people to do, is that he will give to us so we can in turn help others. And and ultimately, he'll be glorified through it. So in our lives, when we're producing the good fruit that that we're talking about, it's for the blessings of others, and he wants us to be that kind of person that makes a difference in this world. And when people live this way, their marriages are better, the workplace is better, their community is better, because we're loving one another. Uh, he says this in, in Galatians 5, You, my brothers and sisters, we're called, we're called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another in hum, humbly in love. So, so towards the have humility towards one another and serve one another. He, he reiterates that the, you, you love, the whole law is summed up by loving your neighbor as yourself. In fact, this is what Jesus said, right? He comes in and he says, hey, it's not enough just to love people like you. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Love those who are, who, who are against you, right? Loving your neighbors yourself is what Jesus calls us to, that we be the, a different kind of people who live uh, differently and people see it. Um, Paul, Paul, writing to the church of Galatia, he's, Galatia, he's, trying to, he's trying to correct people from divisions, trying to correct people from going in the wrong direction, right? There's... There's two extremes, and both of them take you off into the ditches. You say, no, no, I want you to kind of stay really balanced and, and aware of where your life is leading. Well, Paul started these churches all around the world, and he'd write these letters back to them to encourage them. So another letter he wrote to a church in Corinth, and, and Corinth is having some similar issues as, Galatia, as the church in Galatia. There were some divisions. In fact, some of the Christians were suing each other over issues. Um, some of them were boasting that they had better gifts than other people, like uh, the different gifts that God gives us. Uh, which is different than the fruit of the Spirit. So there's gifts of the Spirit, there's fruit of the Spirit. The gift is an empowerment for us to accomplish things that's beyond us. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence that we're walking in step with the Spirit. And so they were, they were misusing their gifts, right, that God had given them uh, to show that they were better than. They're, they're trying to, like, one-up one another. And so Paul's writing this letter, the first, first and second Corinthians, to try to correct these issues that were in the church. And so we get this, this chapter in Corinthians, this chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. You probably heard this in weddings. You know, they'll read a portion of it, if not the whole thing. And it really becomes a sentiment or becomes like this nice romantic thing. But really, if you look at the context, it's, it's, he's trying to show us something beyond just the good feeling good, right? In fact, I'm going to read this. We're going to read through chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Um, and it talks about love, right? So if, if love is what God is trying to produce in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit is love, then here's what it's supposed to look like. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So what he's saying, if I do some great things with the gifts God's given me, but I don't have love, I'm just making a lot of noise. And we have a lot of people in our world that are like that. 
They have these gifts. They, they, they use their lives, but they're just a lot of noise because the motivation is not love. Uh, these next few verses, I would say try to put yourself in them. Whatever your rules are, whether you're a mom or you're, you know, whatever, you, sales or whatever you do, like you could put it in, like for me as a pastor, right? So if I get up and, on the stage and I talk and have these great messages and speak and all these things and help people understand all these great things about the Bible, but I don't have love, I'm just making a lot of noise. It's not going to produce what I think it's going to produce. It's not going to accomplish that. In your life, what are those things that if you're not doing it with love, you're actually just missing out? He goes on and says, well, I have to get the prophecy. And I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. I'm not really accomplishing much. If I give all that I have that I possess to the poor, and I give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So he's saying it's, it's just noise. I have nothing. I gain nothing if I don't have the motivation of love. And then he goes into this part that you'll hear in weddings. He's, he goes and tells us what love is, right? And what's interesting is that when I read this, Notice how it's in correlation with the, with, the, with the fruit of the spirits. So the fruit of the spirits, love, joy, peace, patience, right? He says, love is patient. Do you know what love looks like? It's patient with others. It's not in a rush. It's not in a hurry. It's able to wait. It's able to slow down. Love is patient. Love is kind. So we have patience here as one of the, talk about the fruit, right? The attributes of the fruit of the spirit. Kindness is one of the fruit of the spirit. It does not envy. It's content with what it has. It doesn't have to have what everybody else has. He says that's the kind of love that, that God wants to produce in our lives. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not, easily, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. This is a good, important one, right? You don't have healthy relationships. At some point, you have to stop keeping track and keeping record of all the wrongs because all it's going to do is just keep you trying to be better than others. But real love, it keeps no record of wrong. So in my relationship with my wife, I, I don't have a false expectation for her. I know she's going to mess up the same way that I'll probably mess up at some point. So I give that grace to her by understanding that at some point she'll make a mistake so that way I'm ready to forgive. I understand that. I'm not going to hold her to a standard that's unrealistic. So I'm not going to keep records wrong. I'm going to forgive. And he goes on and says, Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. So he gives this, this picture of what love is. And he's given us this um, description of what, 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 how we should use our life in loving others. And it's, it's consistent. It goes on, right? It doesn't stop. And he finishes this by says, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And then he points back to the gifts of the Spirit. So 1 Corinthians 12 and, and 1 Corinthians 14 is all about the gifts of the Spirit that God gives us to, to use our lives to help others. And right in the middle is where he sandwiches this chapter of love. Why? Because he's saying if you do all these things but you don't have love, you're really going to miss out on what God's wanting to do in your life. You'll become proud. You'll become envious. You'll become jealous. You'll become what, the opposite of what God has for you. But if your motivation is love, is what he's saying, these things are going to eventually go away at some point, but love's going to remain. For we know in part, he says, and we prophesy in part, but we can, when, we can, when completeness comes... What is part will dis- disappear. So right now, we, we kind of don't really know what's all is going on. We have just a, a slight understanding. But when, we re- when God comes, when we understand heaven, all of the, the incompleteness, it'll disappear, right? Because we'll have a bigger, bigger view of the world and what's going on. And then he goes on and says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And then he kind of makes this, it's not really a shift. It's kind of a, he's making a point here. He's saying at some point we need to grow up. When I was a kid, I thought like a kid. But as I matured, I began to put those things behind me and begin to act like 
a mature person, like an adult. He says, for now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So all of the things will eventually go away, but these three are going to remain. Faith, hope, and love. Love is the currency of heaven. Love will continue on. In fact, he says the greatest of this is love. And the word here he uses for love is agape. It's the Greek word agape. So they have some of the same issues we have when it comes to love, right? We think of sentiment. We think of emotions. Uh, we think of food, right? So we use the word love. I love food, and I love my kids. I love you know, pizza, and I love my wife. It's kind of like, well, love, that's like, there's, there's two different things. Well, the, the Greeks had four words that they used for love. Um, this one, agape, is the one that well, the, the, the scripture uses over and over because the most reflects what Jesus did for us and what God is, who God is. John said, God is love. You don't know who the character of God, who he is? He's love. And so agape is, is the word they use, and essentially there's three parts to agape. The first one is unconditional. Right? So this unique and distinct characters of agape is it's unconditional. Which means that um, this kind of love is not dependent on love being given back to us. This is a parent who's loving their little kid, their little baby, even when the baby can't give anything back, right? Now, if they expect the baby to give back something like money and rent, they're going to be very disappointed because they're like, I'm not going to love you until you pay your rent. Like, that is not going to be a really good healthy relationship, right? But unconditional love says, I'm not going to wait for you to give to me to give to, to, to I'm, not, I'm going to withhold love until you give to me. That's not, that's not unconditional. That's a condition. It's being withheld. Um, so, agape, really, it's, it's, it places no conditions, no expectations, or no stipulations on the other person for love to be expressed or displayed to them. It's unconditional. It doesn't have conditions. It's unconditional. It means we give all the time. And this is the kind of love that God gives us. It's not dependent on us. It's always available for us. The second characteristic of, of agape love is it's sacrificial. Um, it sacrifices, Right? It takes the other, it puts the other person first. It takes the risk to say, I'm going to go forward, even if you don't respond the way I think you are. I'm still going to take that step in loving you, even if you don't love back. I will, I will lose a part of myself to love you. I'll lay down my rights to be able to show love to you. I'll give up something of that I really want so that I can show love to you. It's sacrificial, right? It's saying you're more important than whatever it is that you're sacrificing. The coffee so you can feed a kid in another nation, right? Um, time with, with whatever, yourself, so you can spend with somebody else. It's sacrificing something. That's the kind of love God is talking about. The third characteristic is forgiving. Forgiving. Um, so unconditional, sacrificial, and forgiving. Uh, Jesus, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I admire so much about the story of Jesus is he's, he's being brutally murdered on a cross, right? And he's being hung there. And one of the statements he makes, even in the middle of his suffering, is what? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Like, he has this perspective, this bigger perspective of the world, that he says, God, they're torturing me, they're, they're causing pain, but God, they don't even know what they're doing. They have no idea what even they're fighting for. I think this would be a great statement for us to make in the middle of this political season, right? If you're a Republican, you'd say, God, forgive them, they don't even know what they're doing. If you're a Democrat, you'd say, God, forgive them, they don't even know what they're doing. They have such a limited view of the world, they only think of now and the temporary, when there's something so much more going on that they're so unaware of. And that's what Jesus is saying. God, forgive them. And he shows this kind of love, right? It's unconditional, it's sacrificial, but it's also forgiving. And he invites us into this. In fact, this forgiveness is available to us every single day. John tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins, all of our unrighteousness. If we just confess, we just come to him. He's ready to forgive whenever we need it. 
Um, so we're not expecting somebody to be perfect. We're, we're willing to give them forgiveness because we know that, that they're, they're going to mess up at some point, right? So we look at 1 Corinthians. We see, the, we see agape at play here. We look at the fruit of the Spirit, love. We, we see what, what he's asking us to do, right? It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a verb. It's action. It's not just a noun, but it's, it's inviting us into this. So there's three different parts of, of 1 Corinthians 13 where he's talking about love, that, that he teaches what love is. The first thing, love is enriching, right? Love, it adds values to those around us. How do you know you've been with somebody that loves you? Because when you leave, they've added value to you. Even when they have to tell you something difficult, they still add value to you because you realize that they care for you and they're telling you the hard things so that you can grow, right? So love is always adding value to others. That's what he's saying. When we have the right motive, you're going you're gonna to add value to others. And when you don't, you're going to take, take for, away from somebody. So be the kind of person that enriches other people's lives, that add values to others. The second thing is he says in, in, this, in this chapter is his love, it is edifying. It builds up, right? So love is to build up others. Real love and the motive of love is always going to help others become better. It's going to lift them up. Um, 1 Corinthians 8.1, it says knowledge, it puffs us up, but love, it edifies us. It builds us up. So knowledge is going to make us feel like we're better and we're superior because we know more. He says that that's, can be a negative thing because it's not just important to know things. It's actually important to act and do something with what you know. So love, it should build up. It should encourage us. So love it enriches our lives. It edifies our lives. And love, it endures. Right? It, it never stops. It keeps going. Right? And, and in this sense, um, he's, he's inviting us to say, don't stop. It, it doesn't stop. It doesn't give up. It always finds a way to make it work. It doesn't quit too soon. It keeps pushing through because it knows that the other side, there's going to be a better, a better day. There's going to be a better relationship. So you say it like this. Those three things... It adds value to us. Love adds value. Love builds up others and it's consistent. It's constant. In your life, if you want to know if you're producing the, the kind of fruit that God wants of love in your life, you're adding value to others. You're building up others and you're being consistent in your life. You're constant in your walk. People see you and they say, That's a, he's the same person or she's the same person. I always know who I'm going to get. And when you, when you don't have love or the opposite of this, you know that you're not walking in step with the Spirit. If you're tearing down others, if you're taking away from others, and it's all about you, me, 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 I'm going to just take, 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 right? You're not adding, but you're taking. And if you're tearing down people or you're inconsistent in your, in your relationship and your walk, those are signs that you're actually not walking the, the road God wants you to walk because there's, you're lacking what he wants, the fruit that he, that's supposed to be in your life. So when somebody says they're a Christian, but they do the opposite of these, they're actually showing that, yes, they might have, they might have by, by words said they're a Christian, but by their life and by their action, they're actually not following Jesus. Because Jesus is going to lead us into this. It's what he invites us into. Um, he, he says, add value, build up others, be consistent, be constant in what you do. Be the same person all the time. That's what we should strive for, right? So in your life this week, add value to others, build up others, and be consistent. Figure out those ways to do it. Um, when, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, he said the fruit of the Spirit is love, and then he goes through joy, peace, patience, right? What's interesting in 1 Corinthians is we find every characteristic of of, those, uh, of the fruit of the Spirit in it. For example, joy, right? So the first, after love, it's joy. Well, notice in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love rejoices with the truth, right? Love does not envy. So there's this joy in, in knowing you're content because you don't have to have more, right? You're going to rejoice with the truth. There's joy in knowing that you know what's true and, and that you want to see the truth come. There's joy there. Peace, peace that keeps no record of wrong. Love does not keep records of wrong and it always perseveres. 
it knows we have peace because we know at the end of the day, the outcome needs to be, it's going to happen the way it needs to happen. In our lives, God's going to lead us to accomplish things he wants. So we don't have to be, we can, we can let go. We can say, God, you're in control. We have peace in the middle of whatever storm we find ourselves. We have peace. Uh, patience. He says love is patient, right? It's not a rush. It always protects. It's looking long term. It's patient. It's not a, not in a rush. It holds back anger. It's, it's, it's okay. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. It's kind. Kindness. Love is kind. Love always hopes. So when Paul's writing this letter in Corinthians, he's, he's saying this is what love looks like, right? And it's pointing to the fruit that God was producing in our life of love and the different attributes of there. So kindness. Be kind. It always hopes. So on Wednesday, the day after um, everyone went to vote, uh, we had no idea who was going to become president, right? And there's all this tension in the media and the world, um, and in the U.S., I should say, not, maybe not the world, but the U.S., and um, we're kind of wondering what's going to take place. Well, I, my, one of the lights in my car went out, and I had to go to the store to get it. So I went to Walmart, and I'm looking for this bulb, and uh, it's locked up, so I have to call a worker to come and you know, open it up and get the bulb for me. And um, he comes, and then he has to walk me with the bulb all the way to the front. And so as we're walking, uh, we're kind of just, nothing's, you know, he's, he's just kind of there. And um, I decided to strike up a conversation, right? So I say, hey, how are you doing today? And he says, you know what? I'm not doing good at all. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry to hear. What's up? He says, right before I helped you, and he said, this happens all the time. I'm helping this customer, and this other customer comes in, and they demand my time and my attention. I say, you know, I'd love to help you. Let me finish with this customer. I'll come help you. And they yell at me, and they, they get all mad at me, and he just said, it just it happens. It frustrates me so much. He said, I lost my last job because of people like the jerks like that. You know, he's like, he's just like, he has to pour out his day on me. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear. And so he's kind of just telling me about his day, and I'm like, man, don't take it personal. Just, you know, today's a pretty tense day. Like, there's a lot going on, right? And I mean, don't take personal. It's probably not against you. They just come in because they're mad because whatever reason, you know. And um, I'm sorry they're taking it out on you. Thank you for what you do. And we're just walking, talking, conversation. I'm trying to show some kindness, right? And we get to the t- thing. We ring it up. He's waiting for me to kind of finish up. And he says, this, this last two weeks have been really hard. And I'm like, I'm sorry to hear that. He says, yeah, my girlfriend died of cancer last week. I'm like, geez, you know, like, oh, my heart just like broke for this guy. And he's pouring out his heart right there. And in this moment, I'm thinking, you know, I'm doing the best I can be kind, say words, and tell him to pray for him. And uh, I'm going to try to figure out ways to encourage him this week. But in the middle of this, I'm, 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 wondering, I'm thinking, how can I show some hope? How can I show some kindness? But really, the lesson I got from this is when I got back into my car, I began to think about people in our church, people I care for. Um, either they're drug, uh, struggling with cancer or they have a loved one struggling with cancer. Uh, a family in our church lost somebody they loved this week. Um, they, they're, they're just, there's all these things going on in the world and, and this young guy who's in the store I'm, I'm thinking, you know as, as most of the Americans are concerned about politics and what's going to take place this guy is just wondering if he's going to make it to tomorrow that's what, he was, what I got from him is he's like, man, this is just a hard struggle right now and life is hard and people are jerks to me they don't appreciate me I lost somebody I love I don't have to, even have to process this and you can just hear his heart and I'm thinking, this person just he doesn't know if he's going to make it the next day and, and the people that we, we care for and love in our church, that they're, they're worried about their family, you know, are they going to recover? What's going to take place here? There's concern. They're not concerned about who's in the White House. They're concerned about other things. And on every, any given day, you're going to encounter people the same way. We're thinking that they're thinking like we are, and they're not. They're just wondering how they're going to make it. When we have the, the fruit of the Spirit of love and they're showing, showing itself through kindness, we become those kind of people who say, hey, tell me how your day is going. I have no idea if anybody's asked that guy in two weeks if, if, if he's okay. I have no idea if somebody's prayed for him or any idea if, if he's even talked to me about the things that are going on inside of him. Because if he doesn't show up to work, he probably gets fired. He has to have work, but he can't process, right? It's kind of like one of those, like, man, this is really tough. 
but hopefully my kindness maybe gave him a little bit of hope, right? Because that's what the fruit of the Spirit does. That's when we walk with God, it produces something in our world that makes it better. Let me just challenge you. When you go to the store, love on people that are serving you. Love on people that are working. Because you don't know the stories or the things that, that are going on in their lives. I heard, a, I, heard, I heard a story about this man who was on a train and um, as they're going, he's going from one station to the other where this lady's sitting there and her, her kids are making all kinds of ruckness and noise and he's trying to read his paper and he just gets really frustrated. And he says, ma'am, can you control your kids? They're, they're disturbing everybody in the train. And she says, I'm so sorry, sir. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how to tell them that their dad died today. And the guy's like, ooh, sorry. Like, hey, have fun. Play as make as much noise as you can, right? We never know what somebody is going through. We just assume that they think like we think and that we're processing like we are, and they're not. And it's political season. Don't assume that, that you know somebody or what they're thinking, why they voted the way they did. Just show some kindness. Show some grace. Ask some questions. Be the kind of people that say, I'm going to bring something to the equation that's going to add value, that's going to build up others, that's going to be consistent. Not just give my peace, peace of mind. You know, some people ask me, like, what do you think about this? My, my, my response a lot of times is, why do you think my opinion matters? It doesn't really matter all that much. What does God think about this? What does God want to do in this? That's more important than just what I think because honestly, I could be flawed. I could be wrong. But God is never wrong. If we lead him, he'll show us how to be kind. All right, let's move on. Goodness, right? So he says, when, he, when he's showing the, what love looks like, love does not delight in evil. It is not self-seeking. It's good. Love, true love, real love, agape love is good. Um, it seeks for others. Faithfulness. It always trusts. Love always trusts. Love and never fails. It's consistent. It's faithful. It's there tomorrow. Even when it doesn't feel like it, it's still there. Right? It does the right thing. Gentleness. It does not boast. It is not proud. We need some gentleness in our nation. Right? Whether your candidate won or lost, gentleness. Maybe not boasting. Maybe not being proud in those moments where you could. Right? Because you're stronger than the other. Or you're better or whatever. You don't boast. You just say, it's in God's hands. Uh, self-control. Um, it's not rude. Love is not rude. And love is not easily angered. So Paul's giving a picture to the church in Corinth of what they should be doing when it comes to walking on a daily basis. It's the same picture that he gives to the Galatian church of producing fruit in their lives, right? Love, it's not rude. It can control its mouth, right? If, if you're rude and you can't control your mouth or if you're easily angry, it just shows that you're not in control. Your emotions are. And that's the opposite of what God wants. He wants us to be able to control ourselves and say, you know what? I'm going to speak something, but is it going to build up? Is it going to add value? Is it going to help them move forward and give hope? Or is it going to tear down? Is it going to crush the person I'm going to speak? And if you want to just use your words to crush, you don't have control. You're actually letting the opposite of what God wants to do in your life to move on. And here's the thing about being a Jesus follower and what God wants to do in our lives. Um, he wants to build character in our lives, right? And, and building Christian character, it always has to take precedence over just showing people how good you are. Whether it's a gift or whether it's generosity or whether it's your time, whatever you're doing, your character is more important than what you're doing. Character is who you're becoming. Character is what's on the inside. Character is, is, is um, when nobody else is, is looking or watching, right? It's, it's, it's you being consistent in that. And that, building that character is always more important than just the things that people see. The same way a gardener who tends to the trees and the plants and the fruit, right? You don't always see that. You, you see the, the byproduct of the fruit that's there, but you don't always see the process of them taking care of the ground and watering and putting nutrients and taking, making sure it's taken care of, right? Getting bugs off the trees and things like that. That's, that's character. It's behind the scene. It's, it's the unseen. It's the daily process of our prayers and our, and our seeking God. Nobody else sees, but it's being developed in us. And the way we test this is we go through hard things. How do you know what your character is? You're faced with a difficult situation that you don't like. 
And all of a sudden, it shows you and reveals what's there. And here's the thing. The main evidence, I think Paul would even say, of maturity in our life is, is a growing love for God and others. So if you want to know if you're maturing and you're growing up in the faith and you're growing up as an individual, you have a growing love for God and a growing love for others. If you're lacking either two of these, either you stop really seeking God or you're just you're doing your own thing. You're not doing what God wants you to do. Because His, the evidence of maturity in our lives is always a growing love for both of those, for God and for others. And notice how Paul, when he's making this comparison of, of growing up in love, he's saying, you know, we're no longer children in our thinking, we're now adults. What's the difference? Well, children, they live for the temporary, right? It's what I can get now. It's the candy. It's the fun. It's the excitement. But as you mature and grow up, now you're living for the permanent. You're thinking long term. Not just for the moment, what feels good. You're thinking, what are these decisions going to produce in the future? And he calls us to be this kind of person, the adult, that looks down towards the future. So many of our culture gets stuck in childhood because we only care about the temporary and we neglect the permanent. We neglect the long term and we only focus on now. But God is saying, don't, don't just focus on what's going on in front of you right now. Look long term. What are these choices going to produce in the end? What's, it gonna, what's going to take place once it's there? Right? And, and honestly, when we're using our gifts and when, when we're using our life to love others, um, if, there's, if it's not motivated by, motivated by love, we're actually not going to produce the kind of things God wants to produce in our lives. And the only way that we can create, creatively use the gifts and things God's given us is when it's motivated, motivated by love. When we miss this, we miss what God is trying to do in our lives. So the Last Supper, right? Jesus is with his disciples the day before he's going to be crucified on a cross. And John does a great job of recording for us this last conversation, the last teachings of when he meets with them to tell them what's going to take place, right? And uh, as they sit down and uh, they begin a meal, and then Jesus actually gets up and he washes their feet and he serves them. He gives them an example of what, what he wants us to do for one another. And, and, and John walks us through this conversation, this process. Well, Jesus he makes this statement in John 13, 34 35. He says this, a new command I give you. And this is a new command. This is not, let's add another command to all the other 613 commandments in the Old Testament. That's not the point here. In fact, it's more like him saying, hey, I'm going to give you like the new command that's going to outweigh all the other commands. If you do this well, you'll actually fulfill all the other commands. I think this is where Paul gets this from. When, 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 he's, when he's talking about what, what God wants us to do. He says, This new command I give you, you must love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So he takes this word, which we tend, tend to typically think of like as a noun, and he, he has, it turns into a verb of an action, right? So that when he says this, he's saying, you, you, must, you, you must go and love that person. It's a command for us to go and do something action-wise to store our love to somebody else. So this new command he's giving is that we, we must love one another. You know what Jesus is calling us to? It's this. Loving one another. And then he goes on and says, as I have loved you. So he's giving us the, if you want to know what it looks like, I've practically shown you by serving, by washing, by traveling and teaching and loving people that nobody else loves, caring for those. Love those the same way I've loved you. Right? You must love one another. And he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Not by how you voted. Not by how much money you gave. Not by all the cool things you do. No, he says, they will know you by, to be my disciples, if you love one another. It's the mark of a Christian. He's pointing to the fruit, the evidence that Paul is saying, right? If you're following Christ, you're going to have love in your life showing through to others. And if you're not having love as evidence in your life for showing others, you're probably following yourself or another version of Christ or something else, and it's not, it's not what he's calling us to. He says, here's the new commandment, that you will love one another. The reason the disciples changed the world is because they understood this. They grasped it and they got it. 
and they took it to the ends of the earth and said, it doesn't matter what you do to me, I'm going to love others the same way I love myself. I get it. I'm going to do what Christ did for everybody else. I'm going to, I'm going to be sacrificial. I'm going to be unconditional. I'm going to, I'm going to be forgiving of my life to others. And he, he calls us into it. So he said like this, love, it must be expressed through action. If it's not expressed through action, it's not really love. It's just words that you're speaking. But as soon as your love is expressed through actions, it is now what, is, what we're called to do, is to love others, to care for others. Uh, John tells us in 1 John 3.18, he says, don't just love with, with words, but love with deeds. Don't just tell people how, how much you love them. Show them how much you love them. Paul says in Galatians 5, he says, uh, the, the one thing that we should be doing, is our, the one thing that's needed is our faith expressed through love. Like our faith has to be shown through our love with one another. If it's not love for one another, it's really not the kind of faith God's calling us to. So he's saying like this, the evidence of the fruit in our lives, it shows health. It shows that we're in relationship with God. Right? So when we have love in our lives for others, it's showing there's health there because we're making the right choices. But the potential is always more fruit. So if I, if I have an apple here, and I, I, I asked you, you know, uh, what is the potential of this apple? You can say, well, it's going to taste good. It gives me some nourishment. Um, I say, well, what, what else? Well, it has seeds in it, so it means I could probably plant these seeds and maybe get another apple tree. Okay, that's good, but what else? Well, it's possible that one seed that ha- has another tree come up has hundreds of apples, and during this lifetime they made even thousands of apples, millions of apples with millions of seeds. Now that one seed, has the, that one apple has a seed in it to be able to produce another tree, which in turn can produce not just more trees, but thousands and thousands and millions of trees. Get where I'm going with this? One fruit, one seed has the potential to do something way more in our lives than we can even imagine. When we have love, the fruit of love, the Holy Spirit in our lives, the potential is that it produces more love in other people's lives. So my hope is when I love people, like the guy at Walmart, that that love will rub off, and at some point, maybe through relationship, he'll begin to show love to others. Because I love my kids, that they will learn to, to grow up and love others in that same way. And it's like these trees being passed off to more and more, where the potential is more and more fruit. As Americans, we think, well, I just want the fruit to consume and have because it's good. No, no. It's so we can do more good. God blesses so we can be a blessing. He gives us the things we have so we can give away those things to others. This week, we have a lot of opportunities to love people. What are you going to do with it? So Paul says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's expressed through joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's there's no law against those things. We should be doing those things. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, they have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So they're making the choice to say no to what feels good, no to just the feelings. And he's saying they're making the choice to follow and stay in step with the Spirit. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, or and envying each other. So let the love, let the work of what he's doing in our life be evident to others. And here's the thing about producing fruit. It doesn't just happen. It takes work. It takes intentionality. If you were to try to go grow an avocado tree, which if you do, I'd love to have some of your avocados, right? I love avocados. If you went in your house and you begin to get the climate prepared in the, in the soil, whatever, right? And probably inside because I feel like I can't grab a couple of trees here. But whatever you're doing, it would be a long process to get everything just right, to get that soil just right to be able to grow this. Well, it's not going to just happen by itself, right? There's these, these little processes that go on. Now, the fruit growing, you can't control that, but you can control the input, the kind of water and sunlight and nutrients that you put. And if the ground is deficient in some kind of nutrient, you add that, right, to the ground to make it healthy. We can do those kind of things. Now, the fruit's going to grow, and it'll show if it's good or not eventually. But if you're doing the right things, eventually that will grow. It's the same thing Paul's saying. It's a daily choice that we make that one day will produce the good in our lives. 
So when I'm at the Walmart, it's a choice that I make to say, how can I show kindness to somebody? By asking a simple question, how are you doing today? And then, com- then continue the question, ask more questions or just give me some encouragement. It's a choice that we make that I show love to those around me. Not because I feel like it all the time, but because I choose to do it. That's what Paul's saying. It's a choice that we walk in step with what God is trying to do. So here's my challenge for us today, right? My challenge is this. Would you love somebody each day? It's a choice. It's like watering the ground. It's like planting a seed. It's not always like the biggest thing. It's just something very small a lot of times. But can you love somebody each day? Maybe a coworker. Maybe a, your family. Some of your family. Maybe a friend that you haven't talked to for a long time. Maybe somebody of the opposite political party of you. Would you love somebody each day? Not just with words, but with action. What can you do to show? Hey, we don't agree. We don't see eye to eye and everything, but... I still love you as a person because you're made in the image of God. I love you. I care for you. Maybe like Jesus, we could say, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, but I'm still going to love them. I'm still going to care for them. If we got this, and I would just say this, if there's one thing our church can be known for, out of anything that we could ever do, our love for one another, I hope and pray that would be the thing, that people would see us caring for each other, caring for the world, that they could not deny that we are really following Christ. The reason the disciples turned the world upside down, and historians say this, historians say there's no reason why Christianity should be as big and should be as widespread as it is because it was so insignificant in the moment. The reason it did is because these, these disciples took it serious and traveled to the end of the world to, to tell people how much God loved them. And then when things like, like work COVID, right, seasons like this, where, where the plague happened, when everybody else left the cities, you know who went and in and didn't leave? The Christians to care for the sick and care for the poor. And in those moments of us loving others is what historians say changed the dynamic for the world because we practiced what we preached. It was action, not just words. I don't want us to just be people of words. I want us to be people of action. How can you love people this week? Not just with words, but with action. What can you do? How can you live in such a way? And maybe the the criteria is, are, are you adding value? Are you building somebody up? Are you being consistent in this all the time? And just do that over and over and over, every single day, every single day. I'm going to just like watering a seed, planting a seed, watering it, planting a seed, watering it, planting a seed, watering it. And the same way you look at a tree, you don't see a lot of plants, a lot of, a lot of growth taking place. But one day you wake up and you say, wow, there is a avocado on my tree. Like, woo. That's exactly what happens with our lives. Consistently, consistently, consistently say, God, I put you, I put you first. God, I lead you. I follow your lead. And one day you wake up and you say, wow. God is using my life to make a difference in this world. I do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service? Maybe some of you are here today, and as I talk through uh, what, what a Christian looks like and what God has wanted to produce in our lives, if you're brave enough, you'd say, you know what? I'm lacking that in my life. I've been doing my own thing, and today I, w- I w- want to invite God to lead me on this journey. If that's you, I'd love to lead you to prayer. It's a prayer of invitation relationship. Maybe you're watching online, it'd be for you, and you're saying, God, I, I want to invite you to lead me on this journey of life. I don't want to put other things first. I want to put you first. I want you to produce in my life these, these, this fruit of love that I would see patience and joy and peace in the middle of everything I do. Maybe today you're here and you would say, no, that's me. The Bible says there's, there's this word called repent. We need to turn away from what's not working and turn to God in his way and what does work. And some of us today need to take Do me a favor, just lift your hand right in your seat. 
I'm not going to call you up to the front, but just right there say, God, I invite you to my life. Let's see a few hands. Anybody else? I choose to follow your lead, God. Awesome. For you to raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And for the rest of us that didn't raise their hand, would you pray with us so that they're not praying alone? If you're watching online, you want to pray this with us, I'd love to invite you. Say this. Say, Father God, today I invite you into my life. Forgive me of my choices that have led me away from you. Today I put my trust in you. I want to follow your lead. Help me to produce good fruit. Help me to love others the way you love me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to give us an example of how to live. Thank you for letting him die on that cross in our place. Today, give me a new start. Lead me and guide me. In Jesus' name I pray. Can we, pray, can we celebrate those hands that went up today and that people prayed so good? Hey, for you that raised your hand, let me just say something, right? Uh, today, before you, before the day's over, would you go online to our website? There's a place for our connection card that says, I made a decision today. I'd love to send you a follow-up email of just the next steps. So that's the first step, saying, God, I can't do it without you. Next step is water baptism. There's other steps that come after that. I'll love to send you a letter just to encourage you to take these next steps. And then also, um, in that email, I'll send a resource, a free resource, to help give you some tools to be able to grow, right, and help you on this journey. And so let us know whether online or in, in, in the Grove Central, like you made that decision. I'd love to follow up by telling you what, uh, what you can do next, all right?